Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Baby girl, you know I Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Kicking with Kior here on the Full Press Radio Network, episode number 33. Happy to be back with you once again this week as we're in the middle of July. Hope you all had a fourth, good 4th of July weekend. Hope you're all staying safe. Hope you're all following the guidelines. Hope you're all wearing your masks out there as we try to get through this COVID-19 pandemic together. I'm Ricky Keeler. Glad to be back with you again this week. We've got a great show cut up for you over the next hour. We even have a guest this week on the show that we uh, pre-recorded a couple of days ago. Uh, so we'll have some fun with that. Let me give you the rundown of what we're going to talk about on the show before we get into how you can follow us and follow myself on social media. We're going to talk about Patrick Mahomes' $500-plus million contract over what appears to be, when you look at, if you count these next two years, it's really a 12-year contract. We'll get into the particulars of that, what that means uh, for the Chiefs, what that means for the NFL. Uh, what that means for Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott coming up, and just the, the whole nature of the contract. Because if any guy deserves it right now, it's Mahomes, because he's, in my opinion, the best player in football. We're going to get into that. Talk some more about what the NFL is planning in terms of trying to figure out how they're going to do training camp with all these social meet with social distancing and everything going on with that. It's something where the NFL, I, it's going to be really interesting. We're going to get into that. We did a lot. We did a little bit of the Redskins name changing last week. I know the Indians have talked about that, uh, so that's still a big topic. But I want to look into some of the rankings at the NFL. If you go to ESPN this week, they came up with a couple of the executive players, coaches, debating top ten in each position. They did quarterback, tight ends, running backs, and wide receivers. We're going to get in a little bit of that list and where I agree, disagree with certain things. 
Then we're going to do a little bit of soccer. The MLS is back. They've been going on at the wide world of sports in Orlando, Florida. No fans over the last few days. Already two teams are out, FC Dallas and Nashville. So now you have six groups of four teams. We had on Tom Bogert this week, who is a writer over at MLSsoccer.com. We recorded it right before the tournament began, but we got into some of the teams to watch, what's gone on down in Orlando, Florida. In I know the NBA calls it the once called campus. Some sports call it a bubble. I haven't heard MLS say they want to call it a campus, so we're going to call it a bubble for MLS this case. The NBA will try to do it as campus. I was hearing Chris Haynes and inside the NBA last night, and they, NBA wants to refer it as a campus, so that's what we'll try to refer it to. We got a lot with MLS. I'm not a huge soccer fan. I've watched, though, a couple of the games, at least that were on ESPN. I know there's a lot of games on Fox and FS1 this weekend that you're going to want to tune into, but um, we'll get into that a little bit, give you insight on that. College football making some big announcements. The Ivy League, no football this year. And it sounds like if they're most of the Power Five, the Big Ten, definitely, but we're waiting on the Pac-12 and the ACC for a definite announcement. Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic reported first, Big Ten going to conference games this year. No non-conference. You're not getting Michigan-Washington. You're not getting Ohio State-Oregon in some of these big-time matchups. Wisconsin-Notre Dame at Lambeau was another one. So we're going to get into that. Do a little bit more baseball. Schedule came out this week. I'll give you my thoughts on that. Do a little bit of golf. Bryson DeChambeau was fantastic last week at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. I know the, the uh, Workforce Workday Charity Open is taking place at Memorial Tournament in the Murfield Village. Next week is Memorial. Tiger will be a mat. But we'll give it a little bit of insight on what's going on in the world of golf. And a little other things in the world of sports. So happy to be with you once again over the next hour. You can follow me on Twitter at Rickinator555. Again, it's at R-A-C-K. Letter I, Nader, like in Terminator, and then three fives. You can follow us on Twitter, at Full Press Radio, at FP underscore coverage. Those are the two ways. By the way, shout out this the theme music, Barbershop Blues, as we talked about last week. It's awesome music uh, by uh, the people that put that together. So thank you for that. Be sure, again, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just go to the iTunes page, search King with Kiel, you'll find me there. Please give a rating. I hope it's five stars, but I want to hear from you. Give me your thoughts on the topics you want me to talk about, what guests you want me to have on, segments you would like me to do, or just send me an email. Tell me what you think. Uh, again, rickjkeeler at gmail.com. Again, it's rickjkeeler at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, chances are I am there. You can also download our Full Press Coverage app. Just go to the App Store on your iOS or Android device. Search Full Press Coverage. It's right there. If you missed any part of the podcast, and why would you miss any of our podcasts? But if you do, go to Kicking with Keel on the podcast. General, I think it's in the general entertainment spot. Click it, and you get the latest episode on the go. We have all articles there. So we have articles on for sites for NBA, MLB, NHL, baseball. We got a wrestling podcast, NFL. But if you see something you think isn't on the site you'd like to contribute, we'd love to hear from you. Fullpresscoverage.com slash contribute is the way you can get involved, and we'd be happy to hear from you. And hopefully you'll be the one joining our team. So let's get to the NFL and the real bombshell contract extension for Patrick Mahomes. Again, it's basically a 12-year contract, including these next two seasons that were already on his original deal, for $503 million. Now, it's one of those things where you look at the contract and it's a lot of guarantee. It's only 141 million in guarantees over 12 years, but there's a lot of guaranteed mechanisms where if the chiefs don't pick up a certain year on the contract, then Mahomes gets the guaranteed money. So it's a lot, it's a little bit complicated. 
in the process. It is, though, when you think about it, look at the grand scheme of the contract in particular. Mahomes is making more money than any baseball player. So I never thought we'd get to a day where a football player with their non-guaranteed contracts would make more than a baseball player. Remember, Garrett Cole makes $324 million. You never thought you'd get to that point where a football player make more, have the highest contract in American sports. Mike Trout makes $426.5 million. That was the record. Garrett Cole's for the pitcher record. But you look at this contract and you look at the cap hit, only $5 million this year, $24 million next year. I mean, the cap hits do go up. So at some point, it is going to cost the Chiefs in terms of building their team. But they've at least built themselves for this window that they have where they can have a chance to run off multiple championships, a chance to be a dynasty. Again, it's far from a guarantee, but the Chiefs at least put themselves in a position where paying their quarterback for now does not hurt their overall product. And I think that's something that, again, teams have had to figure out how can we pay our quarterback big money and still pay everybody else around the team. Something the Cowboys are trying to figure out with Dak Prescott. You know, the Cowboys pay everybody under the sun, but yet they can't pay Dak Prescott. We've had that conversation a few times where you, you pay everybody, but you don't pay your quarterback. It's a little bit odd. It gives a bad message. Texans with Deshaun Watson isn't, I think, the next big guy to get, get, get paid because Watson, you, you haven't seen the negotiations spill over into the media like we've seen with Prescott. Who knows what that might happen over time? But Watson's a guy I think the Texans have to lock up. Houston doesn't really have that. They got rid of Hopkins, so Watson is their franchise player, at least for the future on offense. J.J. Watt is on defense, but J.J. Watt's also struggled to stay healthy over the past few years. So the Texans should have an easier time paying Watson than the Cowboys are currently paying Prescott. But Patrick Mahomes earns every bit of this money. Every bit of this money. Because you think about what he's done in the two full seasons he's been a quarterback. He's won an MVP. He's thrown over 50 touchdowns. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been to two AFC Championship games in a row. He's done everything you can ask him to. So if you're the Chiefs, you want to get this deal done now. If you're Patrick Mahomes and and your goal is to stay in Kansas City for the rest of your career while still giving your team a chance to win, you take this deal. And at least there's value in taking the $500 million. There's value to saying, I'm the only guy that's making $500 million. So for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, it's a no-brainer for both sides because the Chiefs are still, at least for the next few years, not putting themselves in a position where it costs them to build their team. For Patrick Mahomes, it's a, it's a big payday. He's set the market. Now, not everybody's going to make what he makes, but at least he's set the market. He doesn't have to worry about going to free agency four or five years from now. So he's in a really good position. And the Chiefs are in a good position as well. I, to me, they're the favorite in the NFL if we do play football this year. So that remains to be seen. Let me take a look first as we look at the ESPN rankings. Now, what I talked about, Jeremy Fowler put these, just putting this, these uh, series of articles together. He's asked more than 50 league executives, coaches, scouts, and players to, to get ranked the top 10 players at 11 positions. So let's run through a couple. Let's go quarterback. You got Patrick Mahomes at one, Russell Wilson two, Aaron Rodgers three, Deshaun Watson four, Drew Brees five, 
Lamar Jackson is sixth. Tom Brady seventh. Carson Wentz eighth. Dak Prescott ninth. Matt Stafford tenth. I don't know if I'd put Matt Stafford at ten. And to me, what if if with Stafford at ten, there's really a big drop off the new like a quarterback. Stafford struggled to stay healthy last year. Now he's a guy that does rack up a lot of yards. He had five thousand yards. It seems pretty easily for him. He was on pace to do that last year before the injury. And he's a guy that at least can rack up yards in his career. We saw it with Calvin Johnson. Not out of their own possibility. Doesn't mean Stafford's not a not a good quarterback. I don't know if he's a top 10 quarterback. Like, to me, I'd rather see Matt Ryan on this list. I can't go there with Kyler Murray yet. I don't. I think he's, he's got to prove a little bit more. He's had some inconsistencies in the passing portion of his game. He's still a really good player, but I'm not putting him at 10 just yet. I think Dak is better than Wentz. Although I've heard Dan Orlovsky from ESPN argue this. I know Wentz is done with less of talent around him than Prescott has. But I view Dak, I admit I view Dak Prescott higher than a lot of people do in conversations that I have. To me, Deshaun Watson should be at least at three. I think Watson, at this stage in his career, is better than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, from all things considering, had a down year last year. So I don't really look at Aaron Rodgers as that number three quarterback in football. He's still a top five, top ten quarterback. I wouldn't drop him that far down this list, but I don't think he's third. Russell Wilson at two makes sense just because he has to do a lot with that Seattle team. They don't really ever have a good offensive line. They did add DK Metcalf to that wide receiver core to help Tyler Lockett, but normally Wilson has to do a lot of different things in an offense that really he's not not designed for him to throw for 5,000 yards. But he's been efficient. He's only 31, which is kind of a surprise. Uh, but Wilson, too, is, is a good bet. We have, again, Lamar Jackson at six. People are going to be shocked by that. I know a lot of people view Lamar Jackson as the second-best quarterback. To me, you look at him right now, he's got to win a playoff game. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how teams deal with him this season. But for right now, I don't know where Lamar Jackson stands. I don't think he's number two. I do think he's around that top five area. So that was the quarterback list. Let's take a look at the running back list. And this is where I kind of disagreed here. It's Saquon Barkley at one, Christian McCaffrey at two. I would flip him. To me, I think McCaffrey, just because he's a better receiving option in the passing game, I think is ranked higher than Saquon. You know McCaffrey is staying on the field. Saquon did miss time last year with an injury. It's tough to hold out against him. But Barkley, I think also we have to account for the Giants' offensive line hasn't been that good. You don't want to hold that too hard against the ranking, but I would. If you ask me, who do I take right now? I mean, I, I guess it's not fair to do it from a fantasy perspective. But who would I take in a fantasy draft? If I had the number one pick. I'm taking Christian McCaffrey. Ezekiel at a three, Alvin Kamara at four, Derek Henry at five. Henry could be three on this list. I would not be shocked by that. I, if you want to put Henry over Elliott, I mean, off of one year, you, could you make that case? Yeah, but I think Elliott's been more consistent. Dalvin Cook at 6, Nick Chubb at 7, Josh Joe Mixon at 8, Josh Jacobs at 9, Le'Veon Bell at 10. First off, Aaron Jones should be on this list. Over the last two years, he's been very good with the Packers. I think I'd put him over Le'Veon Bell or Joe Mixon. You have to remember, Le'Veon Bell, it's kind of put against him that the Jets didn't really use their ground game last year, but you have to wonder where Le'Veon Bell is in his career. Missed a whole season due to holding out. And last year, had some good moments, but not any great moments really you can think of. And Joe Mixon at 8, really, for the Bengals. Got really high at the end of last year. He helped me win my fantasy league. But 
overall, you could there are times where you just he disappears in games. Nick Chubb, I think you can make the case be a little higher. Josh Jacobs had a good rookie year at the Raiders, so overall, I think this list is pretty good. I like I like it better than the quarterback list. Wide receiver, I think the biggest shock for wide receiver to me, Julio Jones at number one. Julio Jones is a really good player, but he's also a guy that I think just disappears in games sometimes. I know he'll frustrate you a lot in fantasy football because he doesn't get a lot of touchdowns. To me, Michael Thomas is number one. The impact he has in the Saints offense, I would flip him. I'd put Thomas one. Hopkins, I'd put two. He's a three on this list. Jones, I'd have three probably ahead of Odell Beckham. Although you can make the case after Beckham's down year last year, you could put Tyree Kill ahead of Odell. Odell's at four. Tyree Kill's at five. Mike Evans at six. Devontae Adams at seven. Keenan Allen at eight. Chris Godwin, nine. Amari Cooper, ten. I don't mind this list. I think Cooper at 10 just for the impact he has in the Cowboys offense. And I don't think you can take out Chris Godwin after the great year he had last season. Keaton Allen's as consistent as they come. We'll see how he does with either Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert. But for right now, I think he's ranked where he should be. So that's a pretty good list. And then finally, at tight ends, George Kittle at 1, Travis Kelsey 2. Makes sense. I think Kittle's better right now. Zach Ertz at three. Gronk at four, I think, just shows you the, the lack of strength of the tight end position. Remember, Gronk's missed a year. I don't know if I can put him fourth right now. Darren Waller at five. Good year last year. Mark Andrews at six. Evan Ingram at seven. Misses a lot of time, though, with injury. I think that's a little bit high. Hunter Henry at eight, who missed a lot of time last season. Or t- I think he's an interesting question mark, even though he played 12 games last year. Missed a lot of time the year before that. Austin Hooper at 9, and Jared Cook at 10. Again, the tight ends really, again, when you look at fantasy, it's the top is the strength of the class, and I think that makes a big difference uh, in ranking tight ends. So overall, not a bad list. There are things you could, and again, if you want to make your own list, you can absolutely do that. But let me take a look at a couple other things in the NFL regarding what's gone on with how they're trying to handle COVID-19. Now, Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network had the report on Friday that this is where things are. Everything is done and agreed to except for number of preseason games and testing protocols. Remember we did last week that the NFL wants to go to two preseason games. There are players that really don't want to play any preseason games. I think you need preseason games. And I think you need it just because you got to evaluate your roster. You have to find a way to... Otherwise, why have so many players in camp? You need one game for the starters thing to play a half or three quarters, and you need the other game for evaluating who's going to make the roster. So I think there are value to preseason games. You don't need four, but I think you definitely need at least two. You need some kind of exhibition just to get things going. So I, I don't agree with people that say no preseason games is what should happen. I'm not there. No fans will be a training camp, but teams can have up to two fan events at stadiums this preseason with strict protocols if allowed. Makes sense. Shouldn't have fans at training camp. And you saw what the Jaguars reported on Friday. They're going to have 25% of their stadium filled. And again, I think it should be a state by... It's tough because it's going to be a state-by-state basis, but I've said this for baseball. It's either everybody gets fans or nobody gets fans. And the fact that we're in a state of Florida that's one of the big states right now in the hot spots of COVID-19, they're going to even think about having 25% of fans in a stadium, blows my mind. 
maybe I'm being too overreactive, and I know people will say that, but to me, you, you can't have fit. You, you have to, right now, at least the NFL has to come out and say for the start of the season, whenever that starts, no fans. You want to talk about going down the road in November and December, and you want to get fans in there when things maybe get better, when maybe we get closer to a vaccine, you can get to that point. But for right now, you can't get to that point. Even though fans be wearing masks and trying to social distance as best they can in a stadium, which is going to be really hard to do, you can't have fans in stands. That's just my opinion. I understand people that think differently. But I'm not there just yet. Now, there was... I want to pull this up real quick. There was a comment made by Jamal Adams of the New York Jets. We all know the contract situation that Jamal Adams is in. Trying to get a trade from the Jets. And this is what Jamal Adams said. Uh, I believe this was on Twitter. Not having fans in the stadiums would be beyond whack. Let fans decide if they want to show up and support. Have them sign a waiver and require masks. Requiring masks is the easy part. And I've talked about this when we did it a couple weeks ago with the whole signing of the waivers. I'm not at that point. And again, it's different if you're if you're comfortable with that. Again, but if you're not comfortable with it, you have every right to not be comfortable. I don't know if I could attend a game. If you told me, yes, Ricky, you could go to a game later this year. I don't know if I'd be comfortable. If the Yankees opened up the stadium to 20-30% of fans and they gave you a ticket, I wouldn't go. I don't think I would go. I don't think you should have to have to sign a waiver be able to go to a, go to a game. If you have to sign a waiver, it shows you know what we're not having the things in the proper place. Then why are we having fans at all? I understand where Joel Adams is coming from. I understand he wants to play for fans. I get that. Remember at the beginning of the stage, LeBron had some of those comments about he couldn't imagine playing without fans. But we're at that point. If the NFL is truly set on trying to finish the season, starting it, finishing it, the whole nine yards, you can't have fans. At least to start. And for these leagues that are still trying to figure out how to get fans now, to me, you're wasting your time. You now, To me, the goal right now for every football team is to figure out how can we best keep the players safe. You figure out the fan stuff later. For now, it's how do I keep the players safe as best I can? And you go from there. But again, we're kind of far past that point in a way. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do a little college football and a little bit of MLS before we get into our special guest for the week. You're listening to Kicking with Keo here on the Full Press Radio Network. Welcome back to Kicking with Cure here on the Full Press Radio Network. Happy to be back with you again this week. I get a little college football and MLS while we're at it, but I want to remind you that you can help contribute to, I mean, you could help do your own show at sportscaster.com. They have a great way to, you could broadcast your opinions all over the world. We have different shows on the Full Press Radio Network. We have FPC Radio Live with Ian Glendon and Mike DeBate. Kyle Senra, I know, is on that show sometimes every weekday. I think it's at 8 or 9 a.m. We have FPC NFL Live, which is a great football show. 
and a bunch of other shows as well. So be sure to check those out over at sportscaster.com slash full press coverage. So let's go into a little bit of college football. Again, I mentioned at the top of the show, Nicole Auerbach, uh, the Athletic reported on Thursday that there are going to be only conference games in the Big Ten if there's college football at all. And we saw the Ivy League this week cancel college football for the season, and they'll maybe think about it for the spring. And once the Ivy League cancels, you know it's a bad sign. We saw it with the Ivy League when they canceled the conference tournament in college basketball. It eventually led to the, all the other conference tournaments shutting down and no NCAA tournament back in March. To me, I said it last week when we talked about that article in Yahoo Sports and why I was so angry about it. Until you can have students on campus responsibly, you can't have college football. I understand wanting conferences. I think if you want to make it the less travel, you can do that. But to me, it's tough. It is really tough. Again, you can't. You can't. If you can't have students on campus, how can you have student athletes on campus risking their lives or risking their health to play college football and they don't get paid? At least in the professional football, they get paid. College football, they don't. So the Big Ten has come out with that. You know, it sounds like the Pac-12 and the ACC are eventually going to get to that route. We'll see what happens with Notre Dame. They play a lot of ACC games anyway. So that would make sense. The season, I don't think, will start on time if it starts at all. And Again, I understand how much the impact that college football has on a school's revenue. But you're at that point where you have to say, is it truly safe to play college football? And I'm not sure. The fact that the Ivy League said, no, it's not. And the Big Ten, and by admitting you're only going to conference games, it pretty much says it's not really. And that's a big concern. So for right now, I think you have to look at... What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. College football, and you know, I'm not sure it's going to happen. I understand people that want it to happen. I know the SEC, it's not surprising the SEC is late on this. Uh, I, I would think the SEC might be the last one to make a ruling. The Big 12 hasn't either. But you're going to get to a point where even if you have all conferences play, you I think you have to change the way you format the playoff. I think for this season, you're not going to be able to pick the four best teams when all you're doing is playing conference games. And then you're just saying which conference is better. So to me, how I would fix the college football season, at least for this year, and I've talked about this in past years, I would do the five Power Five champions, the best non-Power Five, and two at-larges. If you want to take out the non-Power Five for this year, depending on how the finances work out and if it's financially feasible and safe for the non-Power Five to play, then you just do three at-larges. So if you're going to do that, I think that's the best way to go to determine, okay, each conference is going to get a team. And if you don't win your conference, you still have a shot to get into the playoff. You don't want to have it where it just basically you pick the four best teams Two of them might be in the SEC. And you might be leaving out another conference even in a year where all you're doing is playing conference games. You have to try to make it as as, be, as fair as you can. I think that would be the way to go for college football. Let's do a little soccer. Talk a little bit of MLS. MLS is back. It was in or, It's in Orlando this week. Tournament is underway. And it's a real interesting tournament from what I have looked into throughout the process the reg- Remember, these group games they're playing counts to points for the regular season if they eventually go back to playing regular season games in their home stadiums. So there's you have that aspect of it. It's kind of got that World Cup feel with the group play. And I was watching the Orlando Inter-Miami game on Wednesday. And the one thing I noticed, I did miss fans. They don't do the, the FIFA noise like you see in the English Premier League, which I think has to be done in a way. Because I think hearing too much of the bench... I'm not a huge fan of. If you want to mic up a couple of players during the game, that's cool too, but I don't think you can go that route. I think the 9 a.m. kickoff times are interesting. It's the earliest in MLS history. You saw that on Thursday with the NYCFC at Philadelphia game. But the one thing you're seeing, defense early, as players get used to things, and the offense picks up in the second half. So if you're somebody who likes goal scoring, most of the goal scoring, I think all the goal scoring in the three games that have been played since we were recording this, has been second-half goals. So the MLS, that you have that aspect, you're turning in for the second half, and the game is a lot more wide open, it's more on the offensive side, and you get more chances for goals. I think that's what you want. Because to me, I'm a big casual sports fan in terms of the MLS. I love World Cup soccer. I love Team USA soccer. I I do tend to tune into the MLS from time to time, but it's not my top sport. So because it's not my top sport, I wanted to have a guest on this week to give an insight on the MLS. And do that, I had Tom Bogert, from MLSsoccer.com. I talked with Tom about what's gone on in the bubble, the testing situation. We recorded this before the situation was made, decision was made for Nashville to withdraw because of their nine positive tests. So keep that in mind as you listen to this interview that we recorded it before Nashville withdrew from the tournament. It was just FC Dallas at the time. We got into the tests. We got into how the gameplay might be different. We got into some of the top teams, some of the players to watch. And we just got into the whole thing about the tournament. So we're going to get, we're going to go right into my interview with with, uh, Tom. Then we'll take a break, we'll come back, and we'll talk a little bit about baseball, 
golf. I'm going to wrap up the show from there. Listen to Kicking with Keor here on the Full Press Radio Network. You'll hear my interview with Tom on the other, on the other side. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. This is back. That's the name of the tournament taking place on Wednesday at the Wide World of Sports Complex in Orlando. The first bubble sport is going to be the MLS, so we had to get an inside round to talk about everything going on in the world of Major League Soccer. And we have Tom Bogert, who writes at MLSsoccer.com. Tom, thanks for hopping on. How are you? I'm pretty good, Ricky. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Uh, so I think to, before we get into the on-field form of the tournament, there's been a lot going on off the fields in terms of, well, FC Dallas is not in this tournament. So what's the buzz around MLS is back? Is there what what do you feel is the anxiety level for the league in terms of actually going starting now and trying to actually finish this tournament with everything going on with the covid pandemic? So, I mean, I guess I could break that up into, you know, neutral slash fans and then inside the league, I suppose, you know, mm-hmm. obviously they're intent on, on, on making this happen. And, and they're, um, but the commissioner, Don Garber, after FC Dallas dropped out, he said that, you know, if, if they aren't confident in the health and safety protocols, which they currently are, despite what happened with Dallas, um, they, they have, they'll have no problem canceling the tournament. Obviously, you know, it doesn't take. Uh, much deducing to understand that nobody wants to cancel it, obviously, for, for all of the trouble we've all gone through and, and everybody that's there in putting this back and getting the games back. Um, so I guess it just remains to be seen. I would, I would guess call it cautious optimism. But then and when it comes to neutrals and particularly somebody like myself, I've, I've been seeing this a lot on Twitter today that kind of encapsulates it perfectly. Like, I'm excited for this game tonight, but obviously maybe this isn't like this isn't the safest thing obviously the safest thing would be to not play so it's just kind of this you know dichotomy of wow man i I can't wait for mls to be back i can't wait for the soccer to be back but like not that like that's the selfish part and and you you don't want to feel selfish when when other people are ostensibly putting themselves at risk so i mean you know on the field stuff I, I can't wait. Uh, off the field, uh, I do hope that obviously everybody's going to be all right and, and that everybody feels like they're going to be all right. Yeah, I think it's about finding that balance. I mean, I know with baseball, I've felt that way where you feel excited about the sport coming back, but then the excitement's kind of toned down with the nervousness of what might happen. And we've had the Nashville first game delayed because of positive tests. Vancouver, I know, has changed its roster. So I guess for you covering it for MLS soccer, is that for you where you have that excitement yes it's back but there's kind of that excitement that you thought might have been higher when the first the sport got shut down it's kind of toned down with everything going on in terms of health and safety reasons yeah but that's more about that even in march we we didn't know what we know about this pandemic then you know what i mean like if you look back it's pretty funny to like yeah, this will, whatever, will only be inside for a couple of weeks or whatever, like, can't wait till the summer when everything's back to normal. Like, I think that that people really slowly turn to, like, this is just going to be in our lives for a year or, or however long. So um, I would just throw out any expectations or any thoughts from March because, you know, it was that uh, four months ago now since the league was shut down uh, almost to the day. And, you know, that feels like it was two years ago. So I don't think it's fair to kind of hold up, you know, thoughts and expectations from then because it, it was a vastly different world than we live in now. True. O- overall, I've, from what I understand, I'm to uh, elaborate on further, the testing itself, besides, of course, the team being out of the tournament, the testing itself has been 
pretty good, all things considering, with the rate of positive tests, right? Yeah, and, and the thing with that is, is and going back to Dallas, is that they picked up the first wave of their positive tests in Dallas. So it's not really like MLS or the league or any like neutral uh, health uh, providers could have really done too much about it. And that's the same thing that is going on with Nashville. They've picked up a couple of positive tests, but they picked that up in Nashville before, you know, coming to Orlando and into the bubble. Um, and, and an inherent advantage that the NBA has is that their teams are starting to arrive now and they don't play for like, three or four weeks like they start like the last couple of days of July. So MLS, like b- between negotiations with, with the league and, and the players, you know, they, they wanted to limit their time in the bubble away from the families and everything. And some of that lead in time was, was taken from the, the initial idea as was reported by Sam Stasco at, at the athletic was that they were going to arrive on like June 1st and only have individual training for the first week. As so if these tests happen, nobody would be kind of around each other, but, you know, for obvious reasons, the, the players wanted to cut down the, the length of time that they were there um, to be away from their families and just away from, like, their normal lives. So looking at the on-field product, obviously with Dallas out of the tournament, there's only three teams in Group B, and I don't know if MLS has given a decision on how they're going to handle the schedule, but it just seems odd with you have six teams in one group as of right now as you record this and three teams in another group. Is, has MLS given an indication of how they're going to handle with Seattle, Vancouver, and San Jose is it going to be extra games? How is that going to work with their qualification for the knockout round? Um, I have no idea, and I'm just thankful that I'm not in charge of figuring it out. That That is a thankless position. Um, I'm sure something will change. They'll, they'll figure out a way, um, I, I imagine, to get the, the other teams in that group, you know, three games, because it'd be unfair to Dallas to just kind of tag them with, like, forfeits or whatever. Um, so, you know, there, there hasn't been... Um, a ton of reporting. There haven't been a, a ton of rumors yet on what's going to happen because obviously it's fluid. And again, going back to kind of the the rash of positive tests from Nashville, like one possible solution is moving Nashville to that group because before the tournament started, Nashville were in the Western Conference. And for the sake of the tournament, they moved into the Eastern Conference for the rest of the year. Um, that group is obviously in the West. So you think, oh, you take Nashville out of the, the six team and put them in the one that has three and move them back to the West, which obviously not considering is is not, you know, ideal for Nashville um, and just kind of moving around. But with all their positive tests, there's no guarantee that, that they're going to stay in the tournament. So what happens if they make a change right now and then Nashville also drops out and two days later they got to figure it out all over again? So, I mean, I'm sure something will be sorted, but but as of right now, no, no concrete plan. How do you expect the MLS to handle the no fans aspect of this? We've seen how the success the Premier League has had with, Piping in the EA Sports FIFA noise, which I found pretty cool. How does how does MLS plan to address the no fans idea with ESPN and FS1 and its other television providers? Like, I mean, I you can call me like a, a grumpy, grumpy old dude for a 25 year old, but I'm I'm one of those that that is uh, against the the fake crowd noise. Like, um, I don't know if you've seen like in Syria they tried to put like fake fans and it it, it mm-hmm. looks fifa 98 kind of graphic so like i don't know like some of those things where like i get that it can be done right and i get that i i, I don't even know if i'm the majority anymore um but like a lot of people again like yourself enjoy it but um one way that they're looking to kind of i guess not capitalize but like make the best out of a out of a bad situation with no fans is that you know they're gonna try to do some new cool stuff for the broadcast they're gonna have different angles and, and different different vantage points and different different ways to get access so i mean I'm really looking forward to seeing kind of how all of that comes across tonight um, at the first game. 
Yeah, I'm with you on the fake fans in terms of like the crowd pictures and things like that. I'm not, I'm more on board with the noise than the picture. It depends up the noise. To me, watching, I mean, I'm not a huge soccer fan. I watch a little, if a Premier League game pops on, I'll watch it like with, with Chelsea and Christian Pulisic. Mm-hmm. But it, to me, it just did, I mean, it's different. Me, I'm not as big of a soccer guy, but it didn't sound as different. It didn't throw me off thinking, oh, wait, there's no fans there in my mind. Yeah, I feel that too, and and um, would would agree with that. Just just in the sense that like it's not like overbearing. And as somebody who's played like way too many hours of FIFA in my lifetime, like it felt pretty natural for me. But like I don't know, particularly just like there were there were little things that you enjoy that like in in a Serie A game that they didn't pump in crowd noise. Like a, a video kind of went viral a little bit. Like um, a a Belgian forward was yelling at an English right back because he like played him like a bad cross, and you just hear like like. But I'll, I'll clean up the language, but it was like effing hell, Victor, and like the guys are screaming at him, and like like those are the little things that like you know authenticity that they you don't get with the fans because you can't you, like that's not going to get picked up over fan noise. So it's just I was trying to look at like the positives of the situation. We're like, all right, like it's going to be cool to hear these guys yelling at each other or little things like for soccer nerds, like when when a ball is passed sideways or backwards, and you hear the entire back line screaming at each other to step up or the coaching staff, like little things like that. I was looking forward to, but. I, I understand for neutrals how, how they'd feel um, and, and less less nerds that they'd feel, you know, more comfortable with fan noise. So, so let's take a little, little bit at the on the field product. Uh, what what group out of the six has your interest the most? Um, you know, honestly, like and it's going to sound like I'm being a company man or carrying water for MLS, but like just. You could give me any game right now, and I'd be juiced about it. You could give me any one of these groups, and I'd be, I'd find ways to get excited about it. Just because, for Christ's sake, we got games back for the first time in four months. But um, um, in, in pressing to look at one, I, I do like Group D, um, which has Real Salt Lake, Sporting KC, Colorado Rapids, and Minnesota United. Um, the the latter three teams all started the season off with two wins, and obviously small sample size. That doesn't mean that they're necessarily the, the three best teams in the league, but. Um, the three of them also passed the eye test, um, and, and that looked like a really balanced group in which, you know, any one of those teams could finish first or fourth, honestly, just, just again, because of the quality and, and, you know, the old trope of anything can happen at one of these, you know, tournaments. But, you know, outside of that, I do like Group A as well, um, highlighted by, you know, the Orlando-Miami game tonight to kick off the tournament is, you know, a good good for the narrative, you know, the rivalry, the, the, the two air quote home teams, Orlando-Miami, Florida-Florida, uh, um, but... You know, NYCFC Philadelphia is, is going to be one of the best games at a group stage, and, and that kicks off uh, Thursday morning at 9 a.m., which I'm unfortunate that that's not in more of a primetime slot. But, yeah, I mean, there, there are just you know, a lot of good games to look forward to, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you did mention a couple of teams and a couple of games. If for the – mention the, the not as diehard soccer fans that are, like, just finding a live sport to get into before of course the nba nhl and we'll see with baseball and football what's the one game that you would say this is the game i need you to watch and you'll be hooked in on the sport what do you think that would be um so honestly in the group stage from pure soccer sense it it honestly might be nycfc versus philly even though like who knows what this product is really going to be like um after again they they're not allowed to play they haven't been able to play friendlies outside of like inner squad stuff so like it's not even like it's a preseason so um, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that it'll be all right because these guys are, are fit and, and everything whatnot. But um, I get I, you'd, you'd have to say LAFC versus LA Galaxy just because that that's one of the ones that the neutrals really gravitate to, and, and they've been bonkers in the past couple of years. And I'm sure it's still going to be fun even without 
the atmosphere, which is incredible at both of their home stadiums, and without the fact that LAFC are without their best player and the league's best player, Carlos Vela, because his wife is, is expecting during the tournament, so he opted out. And um, the Galaxy are with their best center mid and just generally uh, weren't a good team over the first couple of games. But, you know, still with that, it, it, it'd probably be LAFC, LA Galaxy, just for the, the glamour or uh, whatever you might call that. It's a tough question to ask because we know with all these sports with the opt-outs and it's like you understand that, of course, there's a lot of things off the field that are more and you respect any player's decision to opt out. So I'll ask it maybe this way. Is is that opt-out on the LAFC side arguably the biggest impact in this tournament, albeit everybody's opted out for the right reasons, but is on it from an on-field product, is that the biggest impact in terms of losses in this tournament? So in terms of the best player not playing it's it's that one is Carlos Vela at LAFC he was he had statistically the very best season in in MLS history last year um but that's not the biggest loss because LAFC also have two wingers who were um who are going to be sold for borderline MLS record fees or they'll be like top five fees in league history whenever they do go so and two they have two Uruguayan internationals in Diego Rossi and Brian Rodriguez Playing Bell's position, so they're going to be all right. You know, not ideal without the best player in the league, but they're going to get by. The biggest loss is Minnesota United's Ike Opara. He's the reigning Defender of the Year, and he like headlined uh, this defensive transformation in Minnesota last year that took them from quite honestly a laughing stock defensively. They they conceded more goals than anybody else in in two years in their first two years of existence, and then he made them was the chief reason why they were among the the best defensive teams last year and he was uh, dutifully awarded with um, MLS Defender of the Year um, and it's just going to be really curious to see what they look like without him and you know they have a couple other uh, issues in that their chief backup center back um, is suspended for three games so like I'm really curious to kind of see how that shakes out for Minnesota and, and that, that that'll be one to watch. It's tough to pick a favorite because there's only there's only been a couple of games obviously before the pandemic so I won't hold you to it but who is the favorite in your mind to win this tournament so I'm, I'm gonna cop out of this because no matter what I say I'm gonna look stupid <laughs> just because, like you said there, there's too many caveats um I don't look at it as one favorite I I I do the tears thing and I think yeah there, there's clearly LAFC is in that um NYCFC is in that even though again they had a rocky start under a new coach but uh, over the first two league games, but, you know, mitigating circumstances. So, you know, I, LAFC, uh, NYCFC, I'm big on Philly, but I wouldn't put them in the top tier. Uh, Toronto FC are, are always going to be there with the talent that they have and the Seattle Sounders. I'm pretty sure, I mean, you might put Sporting KC in there, but, like, those are probably the four teams that you'd, you know, classify as uh, quote-unquote favorites. So I'll ask it from a player standpoint. Who is the one player that, maybe doesn't have as much attention now that could get attention from this tournament if they have a breakout time in Orlando. The cool part about this is that there's going to be plenty of opportunity because every team pretty much to a man has talked about how important depth is going to be in that, you know, the players aren't 90 minutes match fit. There's the Orlando heat you got to deal with and, you know, games every few days or whatever. So they're like, name any exciting young player on, on somebody's roster and, and they're going to have a chance like off the top of my head, Efra Alvarez in, in LA. He's this Mexican American winger who's, you know, been kind of since he was 16 was when he made his professional debut for the galaxy second team. 
Um, and he showed some really good moments last year. And like maybe this is where he kind of puts it together and goes from interesting young player to like holy holy crap, here he comes. Like he he's ready. Um, that that's one that like the, the Brian Rodriguez uh, on LFC who I talked about it before. I don't know if he technically counts because he's got a ton of eyes on him with the price tag he is and the talent he has. But this is where he can go from like oh he should work out to oh wow like this is a great player or conversely, if he doesn't, they got some problems because um, he hasn't scored yet. He hasn't assisted yet um, for all this talent. And, and it's just kind of been too long, but um, yeah, honestly, like there, there are a couple guys on, on Philly that always have a great Academy. Like uh, Jack DeVries is, is, is somebody, you know, there's, there's, that's what I'm excited for. And, and again, not, not to kind of cop out uh, of this answer too much, but like, there's going to be, there was absolutely going to be a handful of guys who who kind of stepped through this tournament and like ensconced themselves as like regular MLSers or like really raised their profile at this tournament. And, and I'm really excited to see who it is. I think one of the unique things about MLS going into this tournament and over recent years, there's been a lot of new teams. Minnesota's a recent new team. Nashville's a recent new team. Miami, of course, going to get the big spotlight with the first game. You feel this is an opportunity for the MLS to maybe gain new fans and have now a growing support for a new team because they got this individual spotlight for the next few weeks? Yeah, I, I really hope so. And I do think so. Um, the, the, you know, the NWSL, when they returned, their first game was on CBS. And, like, the, the numbers for that game were, were huge. They were, like, I forget exactly what the permutation was, but, like, at least double of what their their final was last year. So... It just goes to show that if you have a good product and uh, of sports, and this doesn't include like the NBA tried to do a horse tournament or you know they tried to put on cornhole or like like stuff like that, like people want to watch sports and like this is if this product is good, you're gonna get soccer fans and hopefully neutral sporting fans to watch because you know you'll throw on ESPN like like people kind of do mindlessly and be like oh here's a soccer game like all right like I'll give this a few minutes maybe hopefully and um. I just think that you know, with the eyes on and, and the, the the possibilities for for new viewers on top of you know the existing ones, you know, I do think that this is an opportunity, and it just remains to be seen if you know how uh, open to to jumping on board some of the, the the eyes that that inevitably stumble upon these games will be. Yeah, you brought up a good point earlier with the July heat being a factor. Where you have basically only eight a.m. and 9 p.m., even 10.30 p.m. start times for teams on the East Coast. So grab your cup of coffee and tune in. Let's say, I think it's like Cincinnati Columbus is at 10.30 on July 11th. You're not used to that. How do you think the heat will play a factor? Will we see maybe more offense, which I know a lot of people would get into, or is it, you think we'll get a more defensive kind of game at least early? Honestly, I'm not sure because, you know, I guess – conventional wisdom might suggest defensive more cautious like hey let's not burn out but the other side of that is if teams do burn out like it'll it'll look like the very best permutation of a like an adult men's league game where it's just like transition just attack 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 and uh, a lot of these teams have have talked about there there's a new substitution rule um that's been in place across the world now that you're allowed five subs just to kind of help like mitigate injuries and 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 deal with all this so Teams are going to use all five subs, and so they're going to be hopefully enough fresh legs on the field to kind of carry this. Like the Premier League and the Bundesliga, even on their first weeks back, like it looked pretty good. They, the players, the, they're professional athletes, they're, they're fit. They've been doing the work this whole time, whether it's been at home or at the training facility when they were allowed to go there. So 
you know, general fitness should be all right. It, it's just like the, the match stuff that, that you can't replicate even in like inter-squad scrimmages. So from a local perspective, I'm in the New York area. So obviously mm-hmm. I have to ask you about the New York teams. The, what do you, how do you think that NYCFC, I know you mentioned their big match with Philly coming up on Thursday and New York Red Bulls. How do you think they're going to uh, play out in this tournament? So I'll start with NYCFC. They're, they're the favorites in Group A. Uh, there, there's, you know, no, no kind of deeper analysis than, than that. Um, they're the reigning the regular season Eastern Conference champions. They, had, they returned like they're all 14 of their, their top 14 players. Um, even with a new coach, they're definitely the favorite. Uh, with talent and continuity and all that. So NYCFC, I'd be shocked if they don't make it out of the group stage um, because the top three teams there make it, and that might even include three of five if, if Nashville do drop out. Um, so the getting out of the knockout stage isn't, like, that's the ba- absolute bare minimum. Even if they got knocked out in the round of 16, that might be uh, really disappointing for this team. As for the Red Bulls, um, I've kind of gone back and forth on this a little bit because, like, when the when the groups came out, um, you know, Columbus, uh, where everybody's kind of off-season darling, and, and they are a legitimately good team. Atlanta or Atlanta, even without their best player. And Cincinnati has made a couple splash moves. And the Red Bulls are just, you know, the Red Bulls. And just consistent excellence, maybe not spending much money, maybe not quite what they were two years ago. Um, and at first I was like, you know what, they're going to have an uphill battle to get out of the group. But, like, the Red Bulls, unlike any other, like, are better than any other team in the league at, like, they'll take somebody you've never heard of off of their second team, put them in the first team, and seamless, seamless production, seamless transition. So um, the Red Bulls are among the deepest teams in the league because of that reason that they can just plug and play anybody on their roster, and seemingly they'll, they'll give you a, good, a 90 good minute. So um, I don't know if I'd technically make them favorites to get out of the group, um, but, you know, I... I no, they're 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 going to be a team that's tough to peg down, and and we'll see kind of how their you know high pressing system kind of holds up in the heat. But you know, I've, I've kind of swung back around on the other side uh, with the Red Bulls for this tournament. Last question for you, and one of the things I think it's going to be uh, honed on in the early stages of this tournament. I think people tend to forget from the details when it was first announced. These games count for mm-hmm. potential regular season games if they happen down the road potential CONCACAF Champions League birds. Give us the idea, like, this, it has that World Cup feel in terms of, like, the group stage format, but these games actually count for what might happen later on in the year. Yeah, like, I've talked to a number of coaches and, and, and GMs about this, that, like, it's, it, it is a World Cup-style tournament in the sense that everybody's in the same area and you play three group stages and go on a knockout, but, like, it's not quite the same because let's say you win your first two group games and you confirm your qualification to the knockout round that third group game at, at any other world cup style tournament you rest pretty much the starting 11 you know you, you try to keep guys fresh it's a long tournament a lot of games particularly with the heat and everything you would just pretty much say here here we go we're going to use the rest of our squad today but if you're a team that like might be on the bubble for a playoff spot or or, or you know thinking long term about fighting for seeding, you know you can't just throw away one of the group games regardless if you're definitely through or you're definitely not through. So I'm, I'm kind of really curious to see how the coaches will respond to this with, with their team sheet selections. And, like, one thing that, that I've considered is let's say that a team tries to start as much of their starting 11 as they can for the first three games and they get through and, you know, trying to maximize all of the regular season points they can. In the round of 16, do you is that when you kind of just throw out, like, a B squad type or, you know, rotate a lot of players and say, like, whatever, if we get knocked out, we get knocked out because – these games don't count 
except for whoever wins the knockout rounds because then they go to the CCL. So if it's a round of 16, do you say, oh, okay, like, let's just throw, throw them out there and, like, hope we get through. And if we get through to the quarterfinals, that's when we'll go, okay, like, we have a chance to win this again? Like, um, I don't know. That, that's one of the, you know, very, very minor things that I'm really looking forward to seeing. That would be interesting because normally you would say, okay, round of 16 and like a World Cup, you play your best guys, you get that intensity, you'd have that potential for penalty kicks and all that fun stuff. But it could be the opposite. With the, I, I did not realize this, that it would just be the group stage games that count for the regular season. So basically after group stage, you get you get those six points. And let's say even you lose round 16, yeah, you lose the tournament, but you still put yourself in a good position for the regular season anyway. Yeah, and, and that's the thing because it, it, it you kind of weigh up like cost-benefit analysis. Like, let's say you get to the final four and lose there. And then do you think like, well, we just played three extra games for borderline. Not no reason, you know, because you're chasing that spot. But like, was it stupid for us to push our best players through these games? Like without like, you know, and, and then coming up short like that and playing the extra game. So I, I think part of it could be when you get to the round of 16, you kind of treat that as like, a, okay, if we get, if we get past this initial knockout round game, then we're really going to go full board or like, because again, as, as I alluded to before, you know, usually that third group game is when you make your changes. If you're kind of have your fate decided and like teams probably won't do that because that's more important than the round of 16 games. So it's like, at what point does it become like, okay, this is a realistic possibility instead of having a one in 16 chance, all things being equal once you get to the knockout stage of getting that CCL spot. You know, is it when you have a one in eight chance? Is that when you go, okay, like, let, let's actually attack this? Um, like, at what point does it kind of become, like, a realistic goal and a realistic possibility and, and worth the risk or, you know, extra extra uh, minutes and, and, and extra intensity and everything on, on your players? So, Tom, let the listeners know how they can follow you on Twitter and uh, give the where, what you're doing for the tournament over at MLSsoccer.com. I'm sure it's keeping you pretty busy with the coverage you guys got going on. Yeah, you can get me on Twitter at at, at at Tom Bogert, just my name phonetically like that. Um, and then yeah, throughout the tournament, just check in on MLSsoccer.com or, or my tw- <clears throat> my Twitter page. You'll uh, you'll see more than enough uh, things with my byline on it to, to keep track of. <laughs> Tom, thanks again for hopping on. Uh, good luck with the coverage this tournament. Stay safe, and I will talk again soon. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. A special special thanks to Tom Bogert from MLSsoccer.com for hopping on the show, talking a little bit of MLS. And that's what we'll try to do with a lot of when we get into the restarts of these leagues. We'll try to get into some 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 guests on the show to kind of break down what's going on with the bubble or the campus and get inside of what's going on as the restart or the season actually takes place. I think you guys learned a lot. I definitely learned a lot from Tom listening, uh, doing this interview and listening to this interview. Look at, looking at baseball, which, by the way, are we kind of surprised that baseball, right before the 2020 season even starts, released a 2021 schedule? They usually do it in September, but I felt like that made – it was weird to know what's going to happen. We don't even know what's going to happen in 2021 in terms of you're going to have fans in the stadium, things like that. Hopefully we do. But you got the 2021 schedule, so you can plan your road trips or games accordingly if you'd like. But the 2020 schedule was released on Monday. I think you had some real... In- you kind of knew your opponents already, but the fact that now you know when you're going to play them. I think the ML- I think the MLB dropped the ball in terms of opening day. I felt it should have been Dodgers-Astros, not Dodgers-Giants. The Giants are not going to be good this year. I get the rivalry. 
But to me, you want Astros Dodgers Dodger Stadium front and center. Now you get that early on in the season, but you get it at Minute Maid Park in July, and then you get it a two game series. I think it's September twelfth and thirteenth in Dodger Stadium. So that's where you get Dodgers Astros. You know the bad blood there already. I don't have to repeat it to you. In two thousand seventeen, you know the story. But that'll be interesting what happens the first time those two teams play. You get a lot of Giants Dodgers in ESPN. If you're sick of Red Sox Yankees, I'm sorry. You get it twice on ESPN in August. There are a couple teams I think it benefits. Basically, anybody in the NL Central, where you look at the Cubs, Cardinals, and Brewers, and Reds, they get to play the Tigers, they get to play the Royals a lot, they get to play the Pirates. And I wouldn't rule out the Cardinals. We know a lot of people talk about the Reds, and I like the Reds with their pitching staff and their offense, but St. Louis, they always seem to be right around contention. I would not rule out the Cardinals in that division. I think if you're a team like the Mets, you look at their schedule down the stretch, it is really tough. Really, really tough. You got the Rays to end the season toward the end of the season. They got the Yankees in late August. A lot of games with the Braves early. A lot of games with the Nationals early. Uh, so the Mets, I think, have a little bit of a hard schedule. You look at it. Uh, CBS Sports had this. 43 of their 60 games against teams who are 500 or better. And that's not going to be easy for them. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think a team that benefits a little bit more is the Yankees. Look at their September schedule. They play the Orioles, they play the Blue Jays, and they play the Marlins for the bulk of that schedule. Now, the Orioles should be a walkover in all things. The Yankees dominate the Orioles, just ask Labor Torres. But the Blue Jays are, are a little bit of a team, I think, that can spoil some spoil some fun here in terms of teams looking for playoff bids. Because you've got a good young offense with guys like Biggio, Guerrero Jr., Bichette. You'll see Nate Pearson at some point in that rotation. That's a guy that can light up a radar gun with the fastball. So keep an eye on Nate Pearson. I'm looking forward to watching him. But the Blue Jays are a team that a couple years from now can be a really good threat in the AL East. So playing them 11 times is not going to be easy. But the Yankees are in a good position. They get most of their hard opponents out of the way early. They play seven games against the Red Sox at home out of their 10 meetings. They play the Rays six times at home out of those 10 meetings. So the Yankees get the advantage of home field, albeit we don't know how much that home field advantage actually is. But for right now, if you're going to take home field at face value, the Yankees are still in that driver's seat there. Teams that travel the most, look at the Texas Rangers get to open their new ballpark. I think that plays a factor. Turns it easy schedules against mostly AL and L Central base, Twins, Indians, White Sox, Cardinals. Angels have the toughest schedule in terms of winning percentages last year along with the Marlins. We'll preview it a little bit next week. We'll give you a little bit of my predictions because the season starts 13 days from now. Garrett Cole against Max Scherzer at Yankees and Nationals I'm looking forward to in terms of the baseball season starting. You've got exhibition games next week, which it's been really interesting to watch the intra-squad scrimmages that have happened. Props to the networks that have showed them, either on their social media or on TV. Uh, at least gives fans an idea that something to watch in terms of baseball. 
but I understand if you watch it, then turn it off. It's a little bit different, but you get to see teams practice. Yankees had a bit of scare at practice this week. Masiro Tanaka's uh, injury when he took a line drive off the head from Giancarlo Stanton. Fortunately, he hasn't had any big uh, concussion symptoms, so he's, right now he looks to be okay, which is a good good sign. We didn't get into last week, but you remember the big news with baseball in terms of positive tests. Freddie Freeman had a positive test. DJ LeMahieu for the Yankees, asymptomatic, had a positive test. Uh, so positive tests still going to grow, albeit when you look at baseball, uh, John Heyman of MLB Network had it. 80, there was 83 positive tests out of 11,000 tests done, which is about 0.7%. That's the latest with the intake tests. Now, some big news, and we're going to get into a couple items here at baseball. One of them involves the Toronto Blue Jays. John Haven also had this. Oh, Scott Mitchell had this. Scott Mitchell writes uh, about the Blue Jays for TSN in Canada. Here's what's going to keep Blue Jays players in their stadium hotel bubble this summer. Per multiple sources, players have been told penalty of seen outside the ballpark is $750,000 fine and potential jail time. Blue Jays, of course, only have federal approval to hold camp in Toronto, but the Quarantine Act, potential penalties wouldn't change if they were granted exemption to play regular season games here, traveling back and forth to the U.S. Different for the Blue Jays, again, they play in Canada, but you understand it's it's really critical for players to follow the rules, go to the ballpark, get tested, play your game, go home. You can do that for three months. I think that's if you're not going to do the the campus or the bubble idea, then you have to follow the rules as strict as you possibly can. And of course, that involves Toronto government a little bit different, but that's where you get the chance in the Blue Jays. And the big news from Friday: Giants catcher Buster Posey has opted out of the season. Posey told the media him and his wife are adopting identical twin girls. The twins are born prematurely and stable, but they will be in an ICU for some time. So again, we, we talk about with the opt-outs in any of these sports. It's tough not to respect the players that are opting out. They're losing money. So for those that are saying, why are they opting out? I play for free. Stop. It's not like these players are opting out and still getting money. Okay? They're opting out because they don't feel comfortable. They have something in their life that's going on that they won't want to risk. And if you're a fan that's that's upset about that, too bad. Too bad. I don't feel sorry for you. Because to me, I think you look at it, every player has to make their own decision. And I think that's an important thing to take a look at uh, in the in this climate that we're in, where you have to make the decision that helps you, that helps you feel comfortable. So that's what's gone on in baseball. Look at golf for a little bit. I think what's gone on in, uh, with Bryson DeChambeau, you didn't watch last week in Detroit. The guy hits the ball at 350 yards. It's crazy how, how great of a swing he has playing golf. It's fantastic. He edged out Matthew Wolf. I thought that was a good one-on-one battle going on there. Uh, but Bryson has changed his swing. He's added more power. And this is the guy that he's been playing really well since the tournament restarted. He's got to watch out for next month when we get to the PGA Championship at Harding Park. He can make a real big impact. You might see him get that first major this year with the way he is just on a roll right now, competing at the highest level. So that was a fun tournament to watch on CBS. Again, as I said this week, it is the Workday Charity Open. Uh, second round coverage underway as we record this podcast. Uh, Name to watch on the board this week is Colin Morikawa, who 
Should have won a Colonial, but missed some opportunities. He's got a six-shot lead on the field. He shot 66 on Friday. Ian Poulter is 7-under. Patrick Reed is 6-under. The afternoon groups have yet to tee off, but 13-under after two rounds. Again, we talked about it last week. The scoring with the fans not there is at an all-time low. It's been a lot easier for these players to put up low numbers. I'd still keep an eye on Justin Thomas. I think he's going to make an impact this week. But Colin Morikawa already with a six-shot lead on the rest of the field. Uh, he's made it really tough for them to catch up, and this is a guy that one of the young players in golf could make a real big impact. Of course, one of the other things I want to touch on real quick before we wrap up the show, uh, another football really that I did not get to earlier in the week, uh, is what kind of, what the comments Deshaun Jackson made uh, in terms of being the, the anti-Semitic comments he was making um i thought it was really cool what julian edelman did uh went on instagram and said look i'll take you to the holocaust museum and jackson can take edelman to the national museum of african-american history and culture they can have those uncomfortable conversations we talk about in sports it's really all about having um having a dialogue and having those uncomfortable conversations um sean jackson did apologize to issue two statements of apology and wanted to do better um but it's also at the same time, I, I don't think you should suspend, suspend him or cut him. Um, I think you should have a fine. But uh, the Eagles said we spoke with Deshaun Jackson about his social media posts. Regardless of his intentions, the messages he shared were offensive, harmful, and absolutely appalling. They have no place in our society and are not condoned or supported in any way by our organization. So we'll keep an eye on how Deshaun Jackson builds off that apology. I think that's mostly important. Um, I also want to talk about what's going on in the WNBA. Of course, they've got their bubble or campus going. And they're going to start in about a couple weeks. And what happened with it, with this is Kelly, Kelly Loeffler, who is a co-owner in the Atlanta Dream, she's a U.S. center, and we know that players, we saw it in the MLS, it was great to see the tributes this week with the Black Lives Matter tributes. Uh, Terry Henry, the Montreal coach, kneeled for the first eight minutes and 46 seconds of the game in memory of George Floyd. You saw Philadelphia Union players uh, wear the, wear the uh, names of people that have died due to police brutality on their jerseys with, mess with messages on the back. We know that NBA players want to do messages on their jerseys, and WNBA jury players want to wear warm-up jerseys that say Black Lives Matter, say her name for uh, Breonna Taylor. Well, Loeffler doesn't agree and thinks they should instead put an American flag on all uniforms and apparel. She gave it, She wrote a letter, said, The truth is we need less, not more politics in sports. In a time when polarizing politics is as divisive as ever, sports has the power to be a unifying antidote. And now more than ever, we should be united in our goal to remove politics from sports. Uh, I hate to break it to Kelly Loeffler, but as long as players have a voice and players do have a voice, players are going to speak their mind on issues. Because to a lot of people, players have more say, players have more influence on people than you do. You might hate that. That's the way it is. And... I think there could have been a way where you said 
if we can do the messages and put the American flag, there would have been a way to think to make that work or at least try to make that work. But to say, no, no, you're going to put the flag and we're not going to let you wear any, have any messages on your jerseys or your warm-up shirts. I've been saying it's just a political movement. No, 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 no. No. Missing the boat. Missing the boat entirely. Listen to the players. I know that the Kathy Engelbert, the WNBA commissioner, said Loughborough doesn't have a say in the day-to-day operation. It's still representative of the team. And it just goes to show you, but again, we're, you got get a clue. Get a clue. So I thought what Luffer said, I, I get it. Maybe she's trying to, to appeal to some base to help her election, but you can understand why people are angry. Again, I want to thank Tom Boger from MLSsoccer.com for copping on the show this week. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Rickinator555. Follow us on Twitter at Full Press Coverage. I mean, at Full Press Radio at FP underscore coverage. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, again, please give a rating. One star, five stars. I want to hear from you. What's your feedback? What topics you want me to talk about? Feel free to email me as well. RickJKeeler at gmail.com. Download the app on your iOS or Android device. Just search Get You With Keeler. All of our podcasts and articles are on website. Feel free to check that out again. Our thanks to the Niamh Niamh Sound Experience for that awesome intro again. Barbershop Blues, a great song. Catch on YouTube. It's awesome. Uh, thanks again for hopping on the show this week. Hope you're all going to stay safe. Stay safe. Follow the guidelines. Wear a mask. It's easy. Just wear a mask. If people can, if people can wear it for eight hours on or more on a day at their job, you can wear it for 20 minutes. And you're helping everybody involved as we try to all beat this pandemic together. So from all of us here at Full Press Coverage and for uh, for all of us at Kick and McKeeler, I'm Ricky Keeler saying have a great weekend. Enjoy the MLS that's live. Enjoy the golf. Enjoy some other sports taking place, NASCAR. And we're getting closer. Baseball in two weeks. Basketball and hockey in three weeks. And we'll have a lot more to talk about then. Until then, enjoy the weekend, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Swimsuit, check. Sunscreen, check. Phone charger, check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.